Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. Over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the history of fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary. We are so excited to welcome Maureen Taylor back to the show today. Maureen is one of the world's leading photo detectives, and on Tuesday's podcast, she joined us to talk about the central role of fashion in helping her solve family history mysteries. Yes, and today she is back to put her detective skills in action. I am so excited that she'll actually be solving one of my very own family history mysteries. As I mentioned on Tuesday's podcast, my maternal grandmother, who I called Grammy, who has since passed, gifted me with some of my most treasured pieces of jewelry. And this includes a locket that I have long cherished and treasured. It's a beautiful locket. It's copper in color. It has this diamond horseshoe on one side, and then there's some initials on the other, but the cursive is so scrolling and entangled that I've never really been able to decipher what those initials are. And I have also never known who the young boy and the young woman in the locket were, so enter Maureen. I, for one, cannot wait to hear what she discovered. Let's listen back into your conversation to find out more. So, Maureen, I am so excited because you have been so generous as to do a photo consultation for me of something that is near and dear to my heart, a locket my grandmother gifted to me with photographs of who I'm assuming are two of my ancestors, but I actually have no idea. And she has since passed and she gave it to me and I was never able to ask her. And I sent you photographs of the locket and I am thrilled that not only can you now demonstrate to our listeners what you do, but you also are going to hopefully help me find some answers. I can't wait to hear what you have to tell me. So here's the thing. Your grandmother gave you the locket. And she always told you it was from a particular branch of your family. Yes. Right. Because that's her branch of the family. But there are multiple branches of the family. So first thing you have to do is sort of date the photographs in it and date the locket if you can. So I've had a lot of fun with this. I just want to say. Uh, and I, I have to cast a wide net. So while your grandmother gave you the locket, I have to be the person that's skeptical and, and say, maybe it's not that side of the family. Maybe it's the other side of the family. And she just forgot that it was your grandfather's family, not your grandmother's family. Right. So I, I did all of this stuff. I did tons of research uh, on your family tree. So it's multiple layers, right? We have the date when they had their pictures taken. We have a time that we don't know of when they might have put those images in the locket, which we can't really know. And we have a date for when that locket might have been popular. So we have the outside of the locket, right? We know it's gold or brass or something like that. I don't, you have it. I don't, I don't have it. I think Um, it's brass because it's more copper in color. And then we open it up and we have a young man, teenager, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, maybe like 12 Exactly. 13. Yeah. Exactly. So I dug around to try to find out some information. And I discovered the Sears catalog, which shows his coat, boys' short top coat, cost $4.50 in 1902. 
Got it. That appears to be something around what he's wearing, perhaps. And then if you look at the woman, and I'm going to say woman, because she's not a teenager. She looks young to me, but I guess she could be a young woman. I think it's his mother. Interesting. That makes sense. I enhanced it using, you know, the products that I use to enhance photographs, Mm -hmm. my heritage tools and Vivipix or store to get a much closer look at it. She's older than you think. And so to me, it looked like a mother and her son. Got it. I also just realized there's no glass on this photo. So maybe I could take it out and see if there's anything on the back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, behind the young boy is something written, which we can't take out to, you know, to see what's written there. Right. And then you have to think, okay, so you have a mother and a son. And the son is, like you said, about 12-ish or so. And so if we think about in terms of, and the locket, I did a lot of research on the locket. If the suit came from the Sears catalog, perhaps the locket came from the Sears catalog. Well, it turns out you could buy these lockets and then you could monogram them for an additional 75 cents. Oh. So if we're thinking the locket dates from, and I have this book in my collection. I have like tons of books. Like, as you can see behind me, I have this huge library of books. This I bought at some library book sale. And it is a source book of antiques and jewelry designs from the late 19th, early 20th century. And so there are lots of lockets, lots of types of lockets. Oh, wow. um, That were very popular in this sort of turn of the century. So we're trying to build a time frame. We're trying to think about how does this fit with your family history? So then you told me that the your grandmother was Joanne Claire John. Yes. She was born 1926 to 2011. Yes. And if this dates from about 1900-ish, because we don't know that yet, um, who could be in the locket? So her father, and if it is on the John side, and it looks like she, this, this is right, that it is on the John side, it doesn't really fit the dating of your other side of the family, your Great-grandfather was Richard Hugo John Jr., born 1893. All right. So if he's 12 in this photo, then we have a date for the early 20th century. Right. 1905, which fits the date of the possible locket. Now, what gets confusing is... Why would there be a mother and a son in the locket? The horseshoe is a common symbol of good luck. Um, I think this was a, maybe a gift of some sort. I don't know that it was a gift. It just, it, I don't know, there's something about it that just makes me feel like it might have been a gift. Would a mother have put herself and her son in a locket that she gave to him? Because the monogram, the monogram looks like RHJ. Oh, you're right. That was, and dress listeners, that was one of my questions because there is a monogram on the back, but it's so intertwined and yeah. scrolling font that it's hard to distinguish. But it that could definitely be an RHJ. J, it's an RHJ. So the locket belonged to him. Interesting. But why would it have been given? You know, what do you know about his life and who, I mean, it has, has his initials on it, so it's his locket. 
And it might not have always been a locket. Maybe it was a locket watch fob. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was something else, you know, before that chain was put on it. But everything points to be early 20th century. And I mean, does he go somewhere? Does something significant happen in his life when he's a young teenager? Um, you said I mean, he's pretty famous, right? He had a company. His father had a company and then he took over the company. Yeah, that was something that I just discovered or did not know about was that my grandfather had, I guess, the oldest luggage company in Texas. And so I have like an alligator purse that was handed down to me. And we started doing a little research and discovered he had this company. And there's an ad of him in like the early 20th, or not of him, I don't know. It's an illustration from the early 20th century. And he's like riding an alligator. It's um, a great ad. In that ad. <laughs> it's a great ad. So we know sort of like when the boy had his picture taken, it seems to be maybe possible the woman had her picture taken around the same time that they put it in the locket in the early 20th century. Why then? I think you should go to a jeweler and try to get the image of the boy taken out so you can see what's written behind him. Um, but his initials are monogrammed on the locket. So, I mean, it could belong to the father because he's a junior. So maybe this is the father's locket and it's the wife and the son. And if that's the case, which is interesting, they had several children. They had a Clara and a Nora. Uh, They only had one son. So Richard Hugo John had one son, Richard Hugo John Jr., so the locket could be the father's and he has his wife and his son in that locket. Perhaps he traveled a lot and he wanted their picture with him. And then if that's the case, then who's the woman? The woman could be Paulina John, born 1866. Although, I don't know. Or maybe one of the older daughters. Yeah, what confuses me though is that the photograph of her looks like it's much earlier than the 20th century. Because her hair slicked back and she has that kind of little bit of collar. So I thought it was much earlier. Mm. But it's so faded too, it's hard to tell. Well, it could be an earlier image of her. It could be the only picture they have of her. The locket and his picture, definitely early 20th century. Okay. Her picture could be earlier. I can't, it didn't do much when I popped it into the editing program. And I don't have the original. I only have the, the photo that you sent me. Yeah. So you can see more detail than I can see. So you're saying she's got the little collar with maybe that little... Like a little brooch. And then that A little brooch and a little bit of shoulder. lace. Yeah. And then just her hair is the one thing that is throwing me off just because it's slicked back. It's so slicked. Well, yeah. But she's born 1866. They get married in 1882. Hmm. So it could maybe be a wedding portrait. It could be a wedding portrait. But it could be the only picture they they have of her or the nicest picture. So he wants that in the locket. Well, and I wonder when she died. You don't have, I don't have that. Yeah. That's a mystery. Ask my mom. I've found some online family trees Mm -hmm. for your family because there's so many descendants with some of these people. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there's no date of death for her. Okay. On this tree anyway. 
Well, and it's interesting because the letters behind his head are F-A. So I wonder if it says father, maybe. I don't know. You can't see the rest of it because it's behind him. I don't know. That's the missing clue. Interesting. Well, this was so much fun. I mean, you demonstrated how there's so many different types of ways to go at this, right? Also, people should mind those DNA matches that they have because those people are related to you and they may have photographs that you don't have. So basically, you can have an unidentified photograph, but your other relatives might have an identified photograph. Same picture. That's very true. I mean, the next step for me, I guess, would be to reach out to other family members that I might not know, right? And inquire as to if they have photographs of these people, right? They might have actual other images of them in their collections that I'm, and maybe I do too, honestly. I wonder if my my parents even, my mom even has more family history photos um, that I could do cross-analysis for. But Richard, Hugo, John, and Paulina, John had a lot of kids. Yeah. And uh, Richard, Hugo, John Jr. married Clara Schapper, a German immigrant. Uh, I think she's a German immigrant. No, she's not, but her parents are. And when did they marry? Hmm. This tree does not have a marriage date. Oh, but they are starting to have there's so many children in the Schapper family. <laughs> so many well, your uh, grandmother was born in 1926. Her sister was born in 1921. It's possible they were married. I haven't looked at the 1920 census to see. But they're married as of 1920. So they got married before 1920. Wow. I mean, the big mystery that you've solved and helped me with was the initials on the back which is something I've never been able to decipher. I've looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And now that you say it's RHJ, it's like very clear to me. <laughs> well, I had an idea, but I yeah. wanted to verify it. So yeah. I used the friend, I used the call a friend idea. <laughs> I get together uh, every week with a group of women genealogists. And I was like, I need, I need another opinion on this. And they were like, yep, that's what it is. And it's so cool too, because you write about this in your book, but so we have photographs, like traditional photographs and albums in our collections, but then we also have what I have, which is photographic jewelry, um, which is another type of keepsake. And that, you know, maybe is a little bit harder because it's a smaller image and it's only the head. But I think it's so fascinating that you were still able to look at this and identify using the clothing to help you identify and date one of these images in here. So I had a client who came to me with just the head and shoulders of a couple. That was all they had. And they thought they knew who they were, but they weren't sure. And I dated the photograph based on, you know, what we talked about in this episode, asking all the questions about the picture, the, you know, who, what, where, when, why. And went on one of those big genealogy sites and found a family tree. And that distant cousin had the whole photograph. Oh, wow. And there it was. He just had a copy of the head and shoulder, but they fit perfectly into that group portrait. Wow. Which was great. But I have a surprise for you, which I don't know if you know about or not. In the digging around on uh, all these different genealogy sites, there is a tree. And in that tree for the Phillips family, the other side it's of your family. Yeah. Right. There is a photograph that somebody bought 
with a name on the back of William Harrison Harry Phillips, and they want to reconnect it with living family. Oh. So if you don't have a photograph of this guy, (laughs) you can reach out to them and I'll actually email it to you. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the exciting and fun things about this whole process has been talking to my mom and my dad about my family history and then just sparking my curiosity to know more. I mean, you would think as a historian, I would be, you know, know a lot about my own family history. And I do, but not as much as I probably should. And so my mom actually has a trunk, a huge trunk that I'm guessing now was maybe made by my great-grandfather. And it's full of family heirlooms and photographs and letters. And so her and I are actually going to now sit down and kind of go through all of that and see if maybe I find other photographs that might help me identify the people in in my locket. But I guess that's saying all that to say that this has really kind of sparked something that's going, going to continue and I'm sure also inspire our dress listeners to kind of dig into their own family history as well. And you know where to find me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm online everywhere as photo detective. Please tell us how our listeners can find you if they want to hire you to help them do some digging into their own past. Sure. My website is maureentaylor.com and that's M-A-U-R-E-E-N taylor.com. And I'm on all social as photo detective. And then you also have your own podcast, which is called? The Photo Detective. Oh, how fun. This has been so much fun, Maureen. Thank you so much for being here and taking us behind the scenes of what you do. Thank you so much for having me. That was a ton of fun, Cass. Yes, it was. And now I have to say that I have the bug. I can't wait to take a (laughs) deeper dive into my family history on both my mother and my father's sides. So my paternal grandmother's family actually immigrated from Hungary in the early 20th century. But my paternal grandfather's family, the Zachary's, have been here since the 18th century. And I already found out so much information about my family just by signing up for like a free trial on the Ancestry.com website. And an initial search pulled up my grandfather's army's papers from World War II, both of them actually. So it was just kind of amazing to see his signature and also kind of heart-wrenching when you think of, you know, these young men signing up for war. And I also actually, April, found something that I want to share with you. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Let me share my screen. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Oh my God. <laughs> okay, listeners, what Cash just pulled up is a photo of me from a high school yearbook. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 1996, it says. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And then April here is my, one of my yearbook photos. You look like a baby. I know. <laughs> I look like I'm 27 when I'm 15, and you look like a baby. You're so what does that gorgeous. Say? Um, <laughs> I. It's just so cool. So there are so many yearbook photos. I don't know why, but like yearbook photos have been digitized and are now on Ancestry.com. I actually also found my grandmother's yearbook photos from when she was 16 in the 40s. So. Again, dress listeners, just such a fun experience. And if you have the time to go down a rabbit hole, um, Ancestry.com is there waiting for you. So, so much fun. Well, I do think that does it for us today, dress listeners. 
Until Tuesday, may you consider digging into your family history mysteries, if you dare, next time you get dressed. We love hearing from you. So if you'd like to write to us, you can do so at dressiheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, which is where we post images and reels to accompany each week's episodes. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pagram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week. More dress coming your way on Tuesday. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.